Hello from Cyberry and Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cyberry podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cyberry.it. From all of us at Cyberry and Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 401 Access Tonight podcast brought to you by both Cybery and Delinea. I'm the host for the episode today. I'm Joseph Carson, Chief Security Scientist and Advisory CISO at Delinea. And it's a pleasure to be here with you. And I'm really excited. We have a returning guest for today's episode and a very, very fun and exciting topic. I'm so excited to have Carlos Paula back onto the episode. Um, our previous episode was basically, it was, it skyrocketed. It was amazing. And the amount of listeners, so, uh, they really enjoyed it and, uh, hopefully we're, we're back to bring them more fantastic content. So Carlos, welcome back to the show. We just give uh, some of the audience a bit of introduction of who you are, what you do, some of the you know fun things you, you enjoy to do and uh, some of your passions, uh, uh, kick it off. Go ahead. Sure. Well, uh, thank you for for having me here again. It's it's very exciting. I I really like. I really love that people like our previous conversation, and I think this is going to be even better because we are going to, to be talking about more state of the art uh, things. Mm-hmm. So about myself, I'm currently practice manager, team lead in cloud and infrastructure pen testing in Halborg, um, Elite Web three company. Um, I'm the guy that has been reading, um, writing hack tricks and hack tricks cloud and the piece. I love CTFs. I, in general, I dedicate most of my free time to cybersecurity. It's, a, it's something I really enjoy: how to break things, how to hack into things, and how and learn how to all kind of things work. Because at the end, cloud is not more about breaking, but about understanding how everything works and is connected, and, and how to abuse um, the the features. Absolutely. And just as you mentioned, I, I pretty much do the same. I'm literally uh, in between. I'm actually doing a CTF over my other machine at the other side of the room here. So I'm actually I'm actually taking a break from CTFs at the moment. Uh, uh, but absolutely, it's, it's one of the things I love learning. And when I think about, you know, hacking itself, it's almost like it's like a reverse skate escape room. We're in the escape room. You're trying to get out of the room. And uh, for us, it's like we're trying to break into the room. It's almost like a, it's a reverse <laughs> puzzle. So you're always trying to think about and You've got this room and you're thinking about what's all the ways we can get into it. Um, so absolutely, for me, it's always exciting. And the previous uh, topic that we, we covered really in depth was all about um, different types of privilege escalation, whether it being on Windows platforms, on Mac OS, into Linux and Unix platforms. And mm-hmm. we went into a lot of talking about some of the different tools that we use in order to do enumeration. Um, and we covered a lot of the P-suite as well, which is fantastic, which is, is great for, you know, that quick automation is about, you know, really getting that yeah. visibility. Um, so today's topic is really getting into thinking about, okay, let's extend further. You know, cloud has been a big digital transformation for many organizations. Um, you, you know, we're talking about digital transformation, but they've been using it for years. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, even yeah. just if you do a Google search, you, you have to think about that's a cloud service. Um, so, but they're starting to host more of their applications and more of their infrastructure and consume more cloud services. And it's getting very, very complex. And what I've seen is that the challenge is, is organizations do that digital transformation. They're trying to retrofit the security they've done on-premise and try to push it to the cloud 
And unfortunately, that isn't really, you know, the, the security that it, it, you know, it provides is not really native. And they make a lot of mistakes and end up having a lot of things open. Um, so what we really need kind of look at is what's some of the techniques and steps, you know, a lot of the cloud providers, what, what do you see as some of the common ways that attackers look to gain that initial access? So let's start with the initial access in the cloud platforms. Where are some of the go-to places that uh, attackers will look for, or even pen testers would be looking for, just to get that foothold? What's some of the starting points that you see? Actually, it's, it's pretty funny you are asking me this because I have spent uh, last week, I was preparing a talk actually about entry points in cloud <laughs> because there are so many and people always talk about the the, the main ones. Um, mm. Obviously, the, the, the main entry point that everybody is going to know about it is an open bucket where you can find sensitive credentials, where you can maybe write and change some um, JavaScript file where you can just steal credentials. That's the main one, but there are there are tens, there are hundreds of them. Um, the one that I have found that is uh, the most worthy, the, the, the most profitable one, mm -hmm. is going to be searching for leaks in GitHub, in GitLabs, in, mm -hmm. in any kind of uh, code repositories, because it's, well, it's it's very, very easy. You can just run GitLeaks, uh, Trufflepuff. Actually, I just released a tool where you can just put the organization name and it will run uh, both tools over all the repos of the organization and public workers of the organization. Uh, okay. It's going to be finding. Um, and this is very fun because uh, the, the, the main misconfiguration I find in, 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 the, in the clients that I check their cloud is that they are assigning too many permissions to mm -hmm. users, to keys. So every time you find a key, you know you are highly probably going to be able to, to do funny stuff. But again, I, I don't want to focus in, in these two main things that is what everybody knows about, because there are plenty of ways to, to enter in a, in a cloud environment. Um, for example, um, it was a, there was a very fun investigation research, I think it was in 2020, about uh, AWS Cognito. Cognito mm -hmm. is just an identity provider that is going to allow you to give AWS credentials in your account to users that just log in, in potentially in just a web application. So it's pretty weird because you are saying, okay, you, you can log in and you are going to have IAM credentials mm -hmm. in AWS. It's, it's made for easy applications, I think, that Maybe you want to give each user access to a bucket so they can store their information in there or retrieve it or mm -hmm. to some web database where they can save its data. But, but actually, in this research, you can see that most of people were giving a lot of access to EC2 instance, to S3 buckets. And, you, and in some cases, you didn't even have to have a user because you can give an iron role to unauthenticated users. So you just go to the web application, you check that it is using Cognito, you can see that in the source code, and you say, okay, I'm an authenticated user, give me my iron role. It is going <laughs> to give you some temporary credentials, and you are there. It's, um, it's stupid, but there is, uh, you can even go further with this, because um, by default, if you are using uh, a, user, a, user, uh, a user pool in Cognito, mm -hmm. by default, you're going to allow people to register themselves. And there is another IAM role to authenticated users. So you can get the unauthenticated IAM role, create a user, uh, um, confirm it, and get the authenticated IAM role. 
and now you have two roles in an account. Mostly <laughs> you can do anything. It sounds like it, it sounds like security's turned off for most cloud yeah, providers. Yeah, exactly. That's scary. I always hear the word. I, I, one thing that I always hear is about you know security by design. I'm thinking, oh, you know, but. I think what we're really seeing is that, yeah, they might have security by design, but it's not turned on. They're not using it. <laughs> and it's, by, it's, like, it's almost like you're using default policies and not really thinking about the configuration you do. So it sounds, it sounds like a lot of that initial access, first foothold, is from a lot of misconfigurations. Or mm. from, I, I think one of the things that you mentioned, it was sort of like GitHub, people's personal GitHub repositories, that they might even be you know, doing work for organizations um, and leaving some of the organization's credentials stored within their even personal GitHub repositories that yeah. might be public facing. Um, poor version control, where the basically maybe use credentials in older, earlier kind of versions that they've uh, checked in um, or compiled, but ultimately not removing those um, and cleaning them up. Um, and ultimately, so if you can go and look for previous versions in the repository, you might be able to find some uh, credentials that may be you know, lurking um, in some of the older versions. Uh, so, so it sounds like the initial access is an easy, is an easy, an easy <laughs> step, uh, which gets really concerning. So, um, what are some of the? Well, I mean, when, when attackers are targeting, what are some of the roles that you want to get when you're we're looking at cloud infrastructure? Is it developers primarily the, the top target, or is it infrastructure administrators, or is it just business users? What what would be the roles of people that tend to be the ones that you know might be targeted uh, for that initial access? Well. Obviously, the, the role I always love to have is administrator. <laughs> if you can have Absolutely. administrator, you can be organized administrator. Obviously, depend on the clouds, the name, but there are always administrators. If you can get there, um, you, you are going to be awesome. Actually, um, in red teamings, um, if you cannot find any kind of this uh, stupid initial access or even if you find some buckets, and but you cannot exploit it further, uh, one thing people usually do is going to be uh, learn about the company in LinkedIn, find out, as you say, who are the developers, who are the system administrators, who is working in IT, and try to send some spare fees into those. Because mm -hmm. these are the guys that uh, most probably have access to this administrator role. Um, but actually, you, you don't always need these kind of roles. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know the name. In, in Google Cloud, I think it's called editor and in azure it has another name um i don't remember now but it's it's a it's a it's called like traditional roles so mm -hmm. all these main cloud environments have these um all of them no i think aws doesn't have them anymore mm -hmm. so they have these three initial roles which can be resumed as administrator write and read mm -hmm. so in order to make easier at the beginning for people to use cloud, they just have this role. They didn't have a granular permissions like mm -hmm. that. So these kind of roles have um, have uh, still exist, and they are given by default to certain uh, service account to certain bot accounts. Mm -hmm. They call it this way. And if you get this right, let's call it right role. Yeah you are going to be able to actually escalate to administrator. So it's kind of stupid because <laughs> you are still supporting some kind of roles that are supposed like, okay, with this, you can you can use it, but you cannot manage permissions, but you can actually give you the permission to manage permissions. Mm -hmm. So that's a very, very easy privilege escalation. So even if at some point you cannot get admin directly, you are going to have these traditional roles that you can abuse. Okay. And in the case you, you don't have these traditional roles, 
Um, there are, because clouds have thousands of permissions, mm -hmm. you might be able to get some other permissions that combine them together. You can do things like, okay, I'm going to launch an EC2 instance and I'm mm -hmm. going to attach this iron roll, then I'm going to get the metadata and then I'm going to previous. Well, there are tens, thousands, well, thousands probably, not, but there are tens of services that are going to allow you to, to exploit your permission to previous. So if I have to choose, I will say admin. But actually, if I want to be stealthy, I won't mm -hmm. grant admin to myself. I will find a sign of a sketchy, difficult to find path to get to mm -hmm. admin that I know I can exploit, but probably the IT guy don't know that you can exploit it. Too, yeah, absolutely. It's always, it's the combination between, you know, staying stealthy and not creating any noise because that's ultimately, you know, that, that's ultimately what attackers want to do. Yeah. They want to get the access. So I was kind of, you know, walking the walls and finding those low hanging fruit that, that they don't, that, that are not using that often, that are not being frequently monitored at all and finding those ones that they might think is, is low impact or low risk, but ultimately giving you a lot of permissions and privileges. And you might say, you know, it is also API something that, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, cloud APIs that are publicly facing in order to use for, um, let's say, you know, communicating with other cloud infrastructures or on-premise. Um, do you see APIs being abused that often also in cloud uh, infrastructure? Or is that something that, you know, is, what, is probably... What do you mean? If you I have mean, services and like an API that you're going to, you know, call, let's say, for integration or sharing data um, that may not be configured correctly or that may expose too much information. Um... I mean, it always it always is going to depend on how the API is configured, mm -hmm. who can talk to it. Um, in this case, I think we are talking about defending an API REST mm -hmm. that is going to depend, obviously, which kind of permissions this API REST uh, have inside the cloud. But what I what I have seen between connections is that a different cloud and on-premise service mm -hmm. is going to be trusting the cloud, and the cloud is going to be trusting this this on-premise service. And this is actually that is happening a lot, uh, kind mm -hmm. of. It's happening a lot in, in Azure that um, Azure ID is going to be trusted on-premise ID and on-premise yes. ID is going to be trusted Azure ID. And there are ways you can abuse this kind of trust mm -hmm. and just compromise the other one. So it's it's fun. I, I, I'm, I'm not very much into the Azure world. I have been mm -hmm. investigating and researching more AWS and GCP. But I definitely know this, that it's fine that... We have been uh, experiencing like 10 years where each year some uh, zero day is happening mm -hmm. in Active Directory that is going to yeah. compromise the whole Active Directory. And Absolutely. instead of Microsoft saying, hey, we are going to stop this. Now we have Azure ID. Now we have this that is completely separated to Active Directory. It doesn't have the same vulnerabilities. They say, okay, we are going to do that. And we are going to firmly trust that an administrator in Active Directory should be administrator in Azure Active Directory. So it's you are just... It. Yeah, the pulling, pulling and synchronizing, and ultimately, if you can get access to one, you can wait a while for that sync to occur and, and, and get access to everything. It's just waiting exactly, for it. Exactly, so, exactly. So, so once once you get in, so let's say, okay, uh, we've, we've, we've got some, some roles, and maybe we've compromised somebody's uh, AWS configuration file um, or Git repository. Um, what, what are some of the ways that you would then, let's say, let's, let's say you've got that initial foothold. What are some of the things you would do for enumeration? What, what would you be looking for for the next step uh, in mm -hmm. order to, would you be looking to uh, try to um, add permissions to yourself or would you be still looking for keys or services 
that allow you to, you know, create, as you, you know, mentioned, you might be creating pods and nodes and Kubernetes, or you might be able to create virtual machines or uh, create different accounts. What would be the kind of steps you would be looking for from an enumeration perspective once you've got that initial foothold? Um, I think that the enumeration is going to be heavily depends if I am doing a white box or a red team, mm-hmm. because obviously you can be more noisy, more noisy yeah. in a white box than if you are doing this red team. Um, I think that in red teams, you need to be careful on each action you are doing. Um, you cannot use automated tools. You definitely cannot use that. Yep. And for example, if you steal some metadata token from an SSRF, mm-hmm. you need to know that, for example, in AWS, war duty is highly probably going to be able to catch you. So you should be dumping also the um, the network mm-hmm. rangers that it is being using. You need to launch your own VPC in order to mimic the same situation. So war duty is not going to be saying, hey, someone is using uh, internal metadata credentials in some external place. So you, you always need to know which kind of alerts you can be triggering mm-hmm. in order to, to be stealthy. But also, I have already said, um, all the clouds have tens or thousands of, of, of services. Mm-hmm. It's very complicated to list all of them. I think that the first thing I will try to do would be to check the main services, S3, um, easy to maybe because I know this is not going to trigger any other. Like everybody is checking this. It's, it's it'll be too much. It will be too much noise. I think to be able yeah. to see anything. I mean, you that's the problem. You, yeah. you, you got your credentials compromised because you check S three. That's not going to happen. And if if I have the option, I will also try to check IAM. If mm-hmm. I can list roles, if I can list users, and if I can list uh, federation integrations, that is going to be awesome because I know. Mm-hmm who I need to attack, how can I previous if I can. Um, but actually, this is fun. This is this is right in AWS. But then you go to GCP, and this is uh, a total different movie. Because <laughs> for some reason, they decide that there is not going to be an, an IAM service. There is not going to be some policies that you have a role, and you can note where you have access, what can you do, and whatever. You need to have. Uh, the list I am permissions in each resource to know who can access that resource. Okay. And, and man, there, there you are pretty fucked because or you check everything and you try to check all your permissions over all your services or you're not really going to know um, what you can do. So in AWS, you can say, okay, I want these three roles that allows me to list, per, mm-hmm. to list privilege, list permissions and list users and I know what is happening. And in GCP, you will be asking, okay, I need editor role in the whole organization to be able to list everything. Because if not, you, you just don't know what you can do. Sounds, so, sounds, sounds like in, in, in GCP, you're going to have less visibility as well. Um, just from, if you want to audit yourself, you know, if you want to, so to, to your point, you know, if you want to do assessment of yourself, mm-hmm. you're probably going to find very difficult to be able to get that granular understanding if you're only going to be able to see your permissions of your own role and not be able to, you know, expand further. Um, so it does sound like there's there's the benefits and and the and the, the the negatives there of not having at least the transparency of of your own environment. I, I completely agree. Actually, um, in my in my previous role, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was asked to do exactly that task. They told me like, okay, uh, we have GCP. We need to do some security audit. We need to uh, limit privilege. Know what is happening. Who can do what? Mm-hmm. So I started learning about GCP because I didn't know anything. I started learning about enumeration, and I found this like 
I cannot just jump IAM policies and roles and users like in AWS and just check who can do that. I need to go to each service and say, hey, can anyone do anything here? And they would tell me, yes, this guy <laughs> can do this. And that's why I developed a, a tool called Purple Panda, mm-hmm. um, which is actually going to be doing this in GCP. It, I configure things like 20 services or something like that. And it's going to be going through all of them, asking for permissions. And then it's going to do something similar to Bloodhound. Yep. It has yep. some intelligence and it's, uh, it has like the set of permissions. And if you have this permission, this permission, you can impersonate this. So you are going to find a graph telling you who can attack, who can impersonate um, other users, mm-hmm. other other service accounts, other privileges in order to, to escalate. So it, this actually helps me a lot when I need to do a, a white box. It's, it's in, incredibly less painful. But if I need to do a red team against GCP, I will need to take more time to enumerate everything by hand and, and read as many documentation as you can find about how the client has architecture yeah. in the cloud. Sounds like it's much easier for attackers to stay stealthy and hidden than GCP, <laughs> just because <laughs> of that complexity. So, so with with Purple Panda, how, how similar is to things like uh, Paco uh, and other types of enumeration tools? Yeah. Um, is it uh, you know similar to to being able to you know w- what other platforms does it support as well uh, that you can also enumerate? What, where, and, and where you, where are you going? What's the next? The next stages with purple panda as well because because i love for me bloodhound is fantastic <laughs> being able to just basically run it against an ad uh get a bunch of collectors going from some you know standard nodes and be able to uh do basically graph theory and visualizing start really understanding about what can i write to who am i a member of who do i need to get to in order to get to get the domain administrator so really looking at all those different areas what uh do you think that you know uh you know how similar is it? Is is it like the the um, let's yeah, say the bloodhound for cloud? Is that mm-hmm. is that what it's? That that's what I would love it to be. Hmm. Um, so you mentioned, for example, Paku. Um, there are other enumerators. We have hmm. a scout seed, a cloud exploit, yep. um, Steam pipe, well, several of them. It's different. It's different, for example, for, from Paku because Paku is mainly done to enumerate a little bit and an attack. A purple panda is not made for mm-hmm. attack. It doesn't have any any exploit, any payloads. It's just for enumeration. Enumeration. Yeah, and it's different from other enumerators because um, I think other enumerators are focused on things like the things like the CIS benchmark, um, AWS best security practices. Like they mm-hmm. are going to be doing these checks. And I want Purple Panda to be focused on red teams, like let's mm-hmm. find things that you can actually exploit, yeah. not like, oh, you don't have this encrypted. Well, the red teamer probably doesn't have any kind of access, so it's indifferent if it's not encrypted. Mm-hmm. But my idea is to find the things you, you can attack. And, and I like you said, like, um, I like you said, the bloodhound of, of cloud, because mm-hmm. I don't want um, Purple Panda to be a tool that you have AWS, you launch it. You mm-hmm. have a GCP, you launch it. I want Purple Panda to be able to launch it in the same session and then finding ways find the to pass go from one the way to another. Yeah. Which, which, is what, yeah. which is what we were talking about earlier was that, mm-hmm. you know, in, in traditional environments, lateral move is going between applications and servers. It sounds to me 
when I look at cloud and you look at hybrid cloud and multi-cloud, I mean, no organization is, is you know, very much stuck in one cloud environment. It, you have to have multiple. You, you don't have SaaS environments. You have either AWS and Azure and GCP. You have little bits and pieces all over the place. And uh, to your point is that absolutely is that it sounds like lateral moves in cloud is actually going between clouds. Um, and if that's if, if the path of Purple Planet is going to be able to show the lateral moves, not just between domains like a Bloodhound would do, you know, show you between the forest and domains, but also between cloud providers, that would be impressive and hugely valuable because organizations um, that's a big that's a big area of risk right now that they don't have that visibility into. Mm -hmm. No, nobody has this visibility. Actually, people doesn't even consider it like like mm -hmm. a risk. They. When, when they consider security, they consider the security of AWS or GitHub. And yeah. then if you have some integrations, they are not going to care about it because, well, it's, it's trusted. Mm -hmm. But you can actually, uh, that's that's the main way to compromise an organization. You get some credentials somewhere. From these credentials, you find more credentials. Let, let's call them GitHub mm -hmm. secrets. Yep. Then you go to the other cloud, you find that, I don't know, you, you get credentials for GCP and you find that you can actually write in a bucket uh, that is containing, I don't know, Docker images in, in AWS. Mm -hmm. That then these images are being run in EKS, and these EKS <laughs> have some AWS role. So you start at GitHub, you are now administrator in AWS. You probably can access, you know, you, you can just pivot through calls, and that's that's pretty funny. I that's what I wanted Purple mm -hmm. Panda to be. Mm -hmm. The thing is that the the biggest, the bigger Purple Panda is getting, the more complex it is being getting. So I want to continue with the project, but mm -hmm. it's been a real challenge because every time yeah. I want to access uh, uh, to add something else, I need to think about what was before, how can it be connected mm -hmm. with everything, and well, it's it's complicated at the moment. At the moment, it's true that it's already supporting uh, GitHub, Kubernetes, GCP, mm -hmm. Concourse, um, and something else. I think so. You are going to be able to find. Actually, you're going to be able to find a path that I love a lot. That mm -hmm. is, um, so you can bypass branch protections in GitHub. Okay. You From GitHub, this is going to be run in a cloud function mm -hmm. in GCP. That is going to be to have some credentials from GCP, some service accounts. Um, let's say that this service account have access over a DKS, a Kubernetes uh, cluster inside GCP. So you can access the Kubernetes cluster and for the Kubernetes cluster, there are easy ways to give it other GCP permissions. So you can mm -hmm. you can escalate in GCP through GKS. That's quite scary when you think about it. It's yeah, <laughs> been able to, to basically find all of those relations and all of those mm -hmm. permissions and literally, you know, jump between cloud providers uh, and show you basically all of a sudden, as you mentioned, you start in the GitHub repository. And all of a sudden, you find yourself basically going through different cloud providers and ultimately maybe in the organization's critical infrastructure. And even today where, you know, you could think of uh, organizations which are doing uh, even IoT or even cloud service providers that might be managing many different organizations uh, that, you know, all of a sudden you could find yourself uh, with a lot of power and control. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's organizations, I don't think organizations are really thinking about the security from within. It's going back to that same old kind of traditional security where you're always thinking about protecting the firewalls and the entry points. 
And I think organizations have really moved to thinking about from cloud, it's all about the identities and access, but not really thinking about once you're inside the cloud, what can you then do? Once you're inside that infrastructure environment, where can you move to? I don't think organizations have really went to that, you know, consideration from from a security pers- you know perspective. Yeah, people, I think just support. Well, first of all, I think there is a lack of cloud professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of people I have met, uh, everyone, everyone that I know is going to tell me that they know about cloud because they know how to create an account in AWS or run an EC2 instance, <laughs> so they know cloud. But that's that's that, that's most of current cloud professionals. They don't they don't care about. How can I isolate? How can I um, improve the the permissions? Like in AM, they are going to just be putting wildcards everywhere. This this lambda need access yeah. to this secret. Okay, it can read now every secret. Like or this this is actually something I I found. Like they have a role called um, lambda read secrets. Yep. And this yeah. is called lambda read secrets. Every lambda is going to have that iron role, even if it doesn't need to to read secrets because they created that, that role for Lambda, so it should be in all Lambdas. Um, people is not focused on, on security and cloud at the moment. They just expect it to be secure. They just expect it yeah. that because it's kind of confusing and difficult and it's uh, complicated to follow all the links. <coughs> Nobody's mm-hmm. going to attack that. And I guess uh, what they need is just to well, improve, to be more mature about cloud, to learn more from experience. And to be lucky that nobody's going to abuse that before they learn their mistakes. Absolutely. It sounds a lot from my, you know, when you're talking about even the skills and resources, you're absolutely right. The cloud skill sets is so, so thin and, and very lacking. And even if you do have skills, I mean, from my knowledge as well, I mean, I, I've got okay knowledge in Azure in specific areas, not from the networking perspective, but definitely within identities and access, you know, the traditional AD kind of that you're familiar with, you know, the resources. When I move across into AWS, uh, the, you can get by with some of the terminologies that are very similar, but mm-hmm. it's a very different setup. And, and, and I, so for me to move from Azure to AWS, I get confused. And I have to go back and I have to start reading a lot again and start learning and trying to understand about what's the terminologies and how is it structured and what rules, because even if I'm giving a specific role or a service, um, you know, it may be very different from what I'd be used to in Azure. So. I, it's very rare that you might get somebody who might have all of that knowledge. Um, so it sounds like even if you're a multi-cloud, you know, you know, if you utilize in multiple clouds, you're going to have to have a large amount of knowledge and, and resources that need to communicate very well together. That need to be collaborating and working. And I think, I think from a security perspective, is I think organizations are going to become very dependent on cloud red teaming and purple teaming. I think that's where. I don't. I think you're going to organizations are going to realize that they will not be able to do this alone, um, and they will have to go to you know uh, definitely skilled resources who who do this as a specific uh, role. Um, so I think cloud cloud pen testing into purple teaming and red teaming and all the other colors of of teaming <laughs> that you can get that's that's it that's being introduced. Um, I don't know if you know if we're going to have a new t- new, new term for cloud uh, teaming, but. Um, I don't think that organizations are they're going to need help. I think they're going to need to go and start looking at uh, whether it's getting into you know tools like Purple Purple Panda that will do automation uh, mm-hmm. because absolutely you know when we're talking about pen testing, you definitely you prefer to do these things manually because you don't want to be alerted. But as an organization, 
I would definitely, I would go and run Bloodhound to try and find the, the risks in my Active Directory. I would go and run the P-suites to find my misconfigurations and some of my critical operating systems. So as a defender, I would want to do automation to get that visibility. Um, so I think this is where organizations are going to become very critical into a lot of the automation tools uh, so they get that visibility. So I think this is definitely what you're doing is going to be something that's it is going to be a used combination of one is getting that visibility and finding out can you um, you know attack or get from one cloud to another and uh, you know exploit their infrastructure. I think this is yeah. going to be crucial. Uh, actually, about that, um, as I told you, is hmm. it's kind of complex to maintain a program like Purple Panda, be working in all major cloud providers, all major SaaS applications, <clears throat> but that's also why. I have uh, released uh, the new Hacktrix cloud um, in just in the subdomain cloud. Because actually, if I cannot automate it, at least I'm going to be writing about it. So if, for example, you manage to compromise a GitHub, I have a, a GitHub section about, okay, you can attack this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. You can um, check GitHub actions. You can attack a, a self-hosted runner. You can steal secrets. You can bypass branch protections. If you manage to compromise Kubernetes, if you manage to compromise, obviously, AWS, DCP, Azure, I, I try to um, condense all the information I found from the community and all my researches mm -hmm. in this book. So even if you still don't have Purple Panda for your current application, you still can see how uh, it can be attacked. Mm -hmm. uh, you can learn about it. You can improve your security posture. Um, actually, Hack Tricks is not just about hacking and attacks. It has a lot of basic information, so you can learn about what you are doing to later understand the attack. It doesn't, it, it doesn't make any sense that I'm going to tell you you can pre-skin AWS with mm -hmm. these roles if you don't even know what our role is. Um, Absolutely. I, so I think, are you, are you doing the same thing you did with the other pre previous piece? Because what I love about things like WinPs, LinPs, and a whole piece suite is that you link it back to the original hack tricks uh, kind of documentation and exactly what it's doing and how it's doing it and why it's doing it. Um, is Purple Panda having that same backlink into, for example, the cloud hack tricks? Will you be able yeah. to see, well, this part of the pa Purple Panda is doing this and here's where you can go and read that documentation to learn more about it in, in the cloud hack tricks, for example. Is that something that you're looking to do? Yeah, yeah, it's actually something that is done. Um, mm -hmm. So when you see the graph of Purple Panda, you mm -hmm. are going to find these pre-BESC uh, relations. If you click on the previous relations, you will be able to see a summary and the reasons. Mm -hmm. The reason is, for example, going to be something like, um, so you have wildcard permissions over these resource, so then you can impersonate this other user. And it's going to put also check more information in and a link to Hacktrees when you have actually the technique you need to exploit and mm -hmm. why this is working um, in, in Purple Panda. So you also have the links to dig deeper about what is happening and how to abuse it. Fantastic. And I've, I've seen the kind of words, you're still using the Neo4j, kind of, <laughs> was it uh, importing the CSVs and building it out? What's, are you looking, what's the next steps? Is it, is it working more on the visualization or working more on actually the, the support and platforms? I have I have a, a personal a personal a personal <laughs> problem with that. I need more people. That's the personal <laughs> problem. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty bad at creating uh, GUI applications, at creating any kind of related to designs. I, I, actually, all the logos, the piece logos, right. purple panda logos, hat tricks. Uh, my girlfriend made it. I, I don't do that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm awfully a designer or drawing. So I, it would be awesome if someone would be interested in creating a 
I, I'm thinking about two possibilities, creating mm-hmm. a web application for Purple Panda to visualize all the graphs easily mm-hmm. or to migrate Purple Panda to instead of uh, storing things in, in Neo4j, store them in a seed mm-hmm. and use the visualization of Bloodhound in order to check the, um, the, the, well, the relations mm-hmm. in order to uh, have some queries to run. Basically, copy Bloodhound and, and check Purple Panda in there. Um, but I'm quite limited in time at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm writing more my research instead of programming more. Uh, but if people got get some interest in this, I would love to have some help in the visualization because I understand it's no risk. If you haven't created Purple Panda, it's going to be kind of complicated for you to see all those graphs mm-hmm. and take the most of them. Absolutely. So for the audience, if you're into basically doing visualization and graphical design, um, you know, reach out to Carlos. We'll make sure Carlos's context will definitely be in the in the uh, notes, the footnotes of the of the podcast itself. Um, so we'll definitely make it. I mean, Carlos, you'll easily findable even through the Hacktricks website as well. So yeah. you, you know, your contact details are there. And I think even yeah. even if the uh, expertise, so you're looking uh, from a modular perspective, you know, if others who want to contribute to to Purple Panda. Is that something also that you're you're considering as well to to get others to, if maybe it's in another cloud platform um, that they are specialized in that they could contribute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested in all kinds of help, of help with Pogopadna. Um There are some fixes I need to do. Obviously, I want to integrate AWS, Azure, mm-hmm. other SaaS applications such as um, GitLab, potentially Cloudflare, even Datadog. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You you can get some kind of interesting information from there. Um, I, 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 I welcome any kind of help. So if you are very knowledgeable in Azure, um, I will appreciate it. If you want to contribute to Purple Panda and just, at the end, it's kind of easy because you just need to create some kind of library mm-hmm. to, um, contact with the API. Then you create the code to download the main resources, uh, virtual machines, Keys, secrets, mm-hmm. lambdas, um, and any anything that is interested in the in the cloud environment, and then the IAM roles, and then you just define in a YAML the permissions you need to prevesc and where you want to prevesc. And Purple mm-hmm. Panda is going to create uh, the graphs, the, the relations in, so, in Neo4j. So ultimately, what we're doing is similar to Bloodhound creating collectors. Is ultimately the same the same concept, you know, uh, to go on and and create those collectors that will actually make the calls, get the data, put it into a zip or CSV, and and therefore you can import it as long as it's in the right format. Yeah. So, and what's what's next? I mean, you're also getting a lot of sponsors. I guess sponsoring Hacktrix is also a good way to also contribute to this as well. Is, so <laughs> um, I did see that uh, you did open up and there's a lot of great sponsors that's been on there. Um, one of the things that I like to kind of, you know, from a, let's say a defending perspective, what, what things can organizations do to reduce the risk against privilege escalation in cloud environments? Because uh, it does sound like it, it is, it's a, it's a matter of searching and enumeration. That's what it sounds like. It's, it's a lot of enumerating, looking for where those tokens are, looking for where the secrets are, looking what rules, what permissions you have, what you can do. What can organizations do to have better visibility in addition to, to, to running things like Purple Panda in their own environment and finding those? But what's, what security controls can make it more difficult for, for attackers to be successful? Well, th- there is a security control very successful hmm. that is hiring me through Halborn. 
earning you as which is i think when we get into it i mean that's probably a definitely a great a great direction is is getting the knowledge um i'm not sure that would be scalable in a long term (laughs) (laughs) so um Um, no yeah well uh, about that i think that the the main way is to know your environment very good Mm -hmm. Um, to try to isolate as much as possible different environments. Mm-hmm. Um, if an EC2 instance doesn't need to be talking with a database, just don't put them in the same VPC, don't put them mm-hmm. in the same subnetwork, don't, don't allow any kind of interaction. Um, be always very careful with IAM permissions. Um, there are a lot of tools, uh, paid tools, free tools, anything even AWS have something that is going to tell you, hey, this role or, or people using this policy didn't uh, never use this permission, remove it. This is very interesting because you can easily know just, just if you have a history mm-hmm. with your cloud, you know which permission you can just remove that is not going to affect because mm-hmm. nobody ever use it. So this is, this is very useful. And obviously the main things are understand your entry points, understand mm-hmm. what, who are you giving access to, which kind of access you are giving, remove everything that is not needed and always always check for leaks like i don't know why it's it's stupid it's super easy <laughs> but companies just do it just check for leaks in in public repositories uh what i recommend for example if you are using github is just to have um some github actions that mm-hmm. before allowing to merge it is going to be running github list or truffle hub something that mm-hmm. is going to be using some stupid regexes to find if you are leaking something. And if you are, it, it will prevent you. And it will tell you, hey, please uh, remove the commit, do a new one and remove this sensitive information. It's super simple and it's super dangerous if you don't do it. Yeah. I think in addition to what, what you've been saying uh, today is I've also got two things in my mind. Is one is, is how to determine where you've got default configurations. Is you know, flagging anything that's default settings would be something that would be suspicious to look for because typically the defaults are going to be something that has open and everyone access. Um, so I think looking where you've got default configurations or policies applied. And I think not only looking for the entry points, maybe you've got public facing web applications or APIs or um, that's linked into GitHub repositories or might, whatever it might be. But I think it's also then thinking about is those lateral moves as well. Is that not just about what's public facing, but also what's actually where you've got trust between clouds and applications um, I think that would also be another area to make sure that you're hardening and making it a much more monitored um, and collecting logs and auditing and, and seeing where potentially, you know, um, maybe there's lateral moves happening between those cloud environments because they may not be public facing, um, but they actually could allow attackers to, to jump between those uh, yeah. different instances. So I, absolutely. So from what I'm thinking, it's like, yeah, it's, it's not even just thinking about your entry points from the public side but also, uh, you know, across different environments and platforms. Yeah, about that, actually, um, I have in my to-do list some check to do because yesterday, actually yesterday, I found something very, very interesting. I was reading about AWS Federation, um, the correct way to allow some CICD pipeline to have some kind of role in AWS is not generating some keys and giving the keys. Mm-hmm. It's by um, allowing OpenID connection, OpenID Federation. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that you are going to say, okay, um, I want you to allow this, um, this usually is identified by a URL that is containing the information about the certificate that the in what I was checking, the GitHub action is going mm-hmm. to be using. 
So you are going to be giving this thing is token.github.com URL, um, you configure everything. And I noticed something very curious, and is that in order to allow a GitHub repository to access your role, you need to specify in the conditions the name of the organization and the name of the repo. So I was thinking, first of all, what happened if, and I still need to check this, and if it works, this will probably be some CTF I will be creating. Um, what if you don't put the name of the organization or the name of the of the repo? Mm -hmm. Anyone that knows the name is going to be able to access? Or what happens if you allow a, a, a repo that mm -hmm. then gets deleted and another per a person in the organization created and abused it? Like, oh, okay. this, this kind of trust is also generating new potential attack vectors. Yeah, it sounds very similar to like the Wi-Fi uh, SID names, where if you basically just replicate it um, and have overlapping SID names, you can basically steal people's connections. And it sounds very similar to instances and namespaces. If you can, you know, uh, duplicate it, then all of a sudden you get someone to talk to you versus what they should be really talking to. And that could be start releasing or sharing sensitive information of if there's data being shared through that. So um, absolutely, it's, it sounds like a an interesting uh, path to, to explore, for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. I, will, I will check in it and write in about it in, in Cloud Hard Tricks. Fantastic. So, Carlos, it's been awesome having you on again. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm really excited to see where things are going. And absolutely, I think uh, for you know organizations and anyone out there, you know, for, for our audience, there's a lot of you know who's into pen testing. They're into you know, security and defending, um, getting visibility. And uh, they, I'm pretty sure a lot of them have... Uh, uh, very complex cloud environments that they're already struggling with. Uh, so hopefully this will give them a lot of value into really, you know, starting to understand their environments more, understanding about where the risks are, uh, what things they should be looking for, um, potentially trying to hire you and your organization <laughs> and starting to use Purple Panda. Uh, you might be getting a lot of calls coming through <laughs> after this episode goes, goes error. Um, anything that you think, what, what for people who's really getting started here, what would be your thoughts? You know, what you know, where where should they start at this point? You know, just as a kind of final kind of thoughts and notes um, mm. when it's coming to cloud. So for people that is starting, and I guess that's a lot of people because mm. cloud is getting getting more and more and more impact. Um, I, I will tell two two main things probably. Uh, the first one is that cloud isn't complex. You just have a lot of things to to understand, but it isn't complex. It, it doesn't in general. It doesn't have math. It doesn't have cryptography. You don't need to reverse. You don't need to. You need to create a proper exploit. You just need to understand a thousand things. You you just need to understand how everything is working and how you can abuse it. So for people that is starting at the beginning, it can be um, you might not like it because you see yourself and learning about this service, about this other mm -hmm. service, about this other service, and you know you you are not going to see any kind of final. But at some point, you're going to know, you're going to have a big picture of how everything working. And that's how you start understanding how you can start abusing uh, permissions and roles. And, and well, and, and paths like mm -hmm. in Purple Panda, mm -hmm. across clouds and SaaS providers. And the other thing that I want to comment is that um, if everything goes correct, I will be starting a YouTube and or I haven't decided yet Twitch channel. Ooh, where I gonna want, be, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where I want to talk 
uh, mainly about pen testing cloud and testing SaaS applications. Uh, but I will also be talking about uh, CTF, mm -hmm. uh, potentially interesting, interesting and weird. I, I like that. Um, web challenges and um, cybersecurity news in general. Mm -hmm. um, so if you want to learn cloud, I guess you can you can use obviously cloud hack tricks and check check my some yeah, we, we should we should get together. I think I'm, I've been thinking about if you're going to be doing a YouTube and Twitch channel, we should be doing some you know live uh, CTS for some of the uh, clouds uh, you know environments. I think you know even uh, Hack the Box has a great. Uh, I think they did the AWS Academy one. Which is also something. There's a couple of uh, cloud environments that I know they've been working on. So, uh, might be yeah. worth doing some uh, live uh, cloud. Uh, C, uh, was it CTFs and see how that goes? Because it's always good. I always enjoy watching, you know, the likes of John and Ipsec and going through their their videos, and you always get them thinking about what they're what they're thinking about. Um, but mm -hmm. absolutely, I think what what we're definitely missing is is that creative content when it comes to cloud environments. I've seen a few. Um, but I would definitely be interested to see what, you, what you're thinking about when you're coming across CTF challenges, <laughs> and uh, kind of what what rabbit holes you get stuck in, and and how you start kind of moving away back and, and around. So I think that's that's exciting, and and definitely one you know for the audience, uh, we'll make sure that you know when those are made available, and you do have your your channel, we'll make sure that uh, we make it available. And, uh, so you know definitely you can get as many people following and learning as possible because I think that's that's the way we learn is by by yeah. sharing what we do. Um, and that's what this podcast is all about, is, is getting that information out there so people know what resources they can go to, uh, what things they can find, what is interesting, and, and find their passion ultimately. Uh, so that's all, you know, what we can, we can help navigate people to to finding what they enjoy doing. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing my, my YouTube channel and details. Um, I hope to see all of you people there, I, I'm very excited about creating this channel and, and I think we, we are going to learn some interesting things. I have already prepared uh, a few episodes, they call it mm -hmm. like that, um, and they are going to be pretty, pretty interesting. And on as far as I know, it's, I'm going to be doing everything technical so we can learn technical mm -hmm. stuff. Oh, fantastic. That's what it's all about. Uh, but I think the important part is that it's, you, you might be able to learn how to do the commands and what you're doing, but it's it's the thought process. That's the key. I think that's it's when you kind of think about when you see certain things, you can work your way back to find out how you can, you know, segue or move around. So uh, it's always that. I think that's the exciting part. And uh, I think you've got you've got a lot of interesting knowledge and experience and lessons to share from that side. So I'm really excited about seeing and uh, you know, when, it, when it gets out there. And, and uh, trying if you, if you are doing some of this, uh, uh, was it capture the flags? I, you know, I, I enjoy following along and trying it myself, so I'm excited. <laughs> thank you, thank you. We, we we will definitely do that. So it's been fantastic having you on the show again. I think this is really valuable and it's going to be a huge uh, popular episode for the audience. So, uh, Cardas, you're awesome. Keep up the great work, um, and definitely let's make sure that uh, you know we're learning um, ultimately making the world a safer place. So for the audience. Uh, the awesome uh, Carlos Polyp has joined us again um, and his fantastic pea sweets and purple pandas and whatever other furry animals will come out in the future, I guess, <laughs> we'll be waiting to see. Um, so again, this is the 401 Access Tonight podcast. I'm Joe Carson with special guest uh, Carlos. Uh, make sure to tune every two weeks, uh, catch up on the latest episodes, uh, stay safe, have fun, you know, hack the planet, you know, keep the world safe and uh, enjoy as much as possible. So again, Carlos, you've been awesome. Take care and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrary for Business by going to www.cybrary.it/business.
This podcast is also brought to you by Delinea. Dicotic and Centrify are now Delinea, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit delinea.com.